0: views on everton football club hosted by alex johnson james Boyman, and ryan williams
1: ladies and gentlemen welcome back to the american toffee podcast first time in a long time ryan and i are here with no alex who is uh Newly entered into wedded bliss and is off gallivanting in Paris on his honeymoon. Hopefully, he caught the game today as Everton were victorious two to one over Southampton. I think he's gallivanting. Yeah, I think he's like prancing through the streets of Paris.
0: Prancing, maybe uh,
1: breaking out into song. Who knows? I mean, it's it's a beautiful city, Uh, and it was a beautiful Everton win today. In some respects, maybe not so much in others. But as Everton and Southampton were level coming in on points today. Everton escape with all three, putting us into 11th place level on points with Brentford and the Reds across the park. Notable that coming into today as well, we had lost seven of our last nine away matches at St. Mary's. So good to turn the tides there. Also notable was this, this is the first time that Everton have won an away game after going down since the famous memorable 3-2 Watford match in 2020. We'd been uh, we had gone four draws and 20 losses since that match. And an unbeaten run of six is the longest Everton unbeaten run since November and December of 2017, which was seven. So approaching that territory, of course, with four draws and two wins, it's nice. Before we get into all the reactions, throw a lot of stuff at you up top before we get into the details of the match and all of the analysis on the American Toffee podcast. Just a reminder that if you enjoy the show, please leave us rating and review podcast platform of choice. Follow us on social media at USA Toffee Pod, Facebook, Twitter and Instagram join our discord invite.gg ATP. And now let's get into it. Ryan instant match reactions over to you first.
0: Well, I choose my match reaction from Dan McArdle at Daniel McArdle, a fractional game Ooh, bringing out the math. Um, This is the American toffee podcast, right? I just laugh because my 12 year old has been doing all sorts of more rudimentary math like recently. And I'm just laughing The Um, American toffee math cast. Apparently um, I was good at math. Once first half was quality without execution. Second half was execution without quality. Thankful to be one quarter of the way to 40 point safety. And yeah, that's a perfect summary for me. That's got to be somewhat the goal this year. If we pick up some more results and gain some momentum, maybe make some deals in January, get some people healthy. uh, Okay. Maybe your prognosis is more rosy or optimistic, but I think that's got to be the first step forward and solidifying a decent foundation for us to go. And I think you saw enough of that today in terms of the results. Um, might have been a little beneficial the number at least that we got the three full three points we'll talk about that later back over to you
1: yeah I went with uh, Nebula 1979 at the same thing who said controlled first half but lack of sharpness in the final third second half we took our chances but invited pressure after taking the lead Southampton had way too many opportunities to level and we rode our luck accordingly work in progress but Back-to-back wins is progress, which I would agree with. You know, some of the underlying numbers may be uh, a bit fortunate, and I agree it was a very nervy second half, a chaotic spell of play in which three goals were, all three goals were scored, and then definitely riding our luck for the later stages into the final whistle. For score predictions from our Discord, we had a number of correct ones today. We had the Robert Morrison kicking us off. It was the first score prediction posted and the first correct. Matt Clevy rhymes with Chevy. Bosey Blues, Jay Santoro, 1357, Drewberg, 1878, Sean Kahn, a.k.a. Chief of the Optimism Train, James H. 5'2", BC Gross, and Clayson. A lot to get through. I think I pronounced most of those correctly. And uh, tip of the hat to all the guys on the Discord who were optimistic and rewarded for their optimism today. Now, let's just touch on the lineups for both teams. Ryan, we'll kick it off with Southampton coming into this match. Maybe not in the best of form, but again, Level with us on points. So what did we see from them today? I know they made a large number of changes. Hassan Huddle tweaking things pretty significantly.
0: Yeah, the the youngster, Lavia, the defensive mid was out. Levermento is still out. Um, Chaletasar in for Salisu, which I don't quite understand that. So let's take a step back. Southampton had a really phenomenal window, I think, but it's a very longer-term window. They signed a bunch of young guys, a bunch of talented young guys, but this year is going to be, I think, a little bit of struggle for some of them. Um, You saw Larios coming in to play left back at 18 for Perot. Um, Maitland Niles makes an appearance in the middle, and Mara got his, I think, second start up top. He's another youngster from bordeaux for about 12 million so he's in with che adams they were playing two center center forwards they'd been playing 4-2-3-1 and it's just funny because ralph has had this 4-4-2 for so many years and this year he's really mixed it up a lot but you got a pretty good bench i mean look at some of these guys out like janeepo didn't play um oh you know he didn't play uh but look They've got two major danger guys this year. You know, Che Adams is dangerous. Adam Armstrong's a decent option off the bench, but this is James Ward Prowse's team. I mean, he's deadly off set pieces. We really needed to go in this one, knowing that unnecessary fouls is not the way to go. And and it seems like he always scores a set piece or does something dangerous against us. But I don't think we're unique in that regard. He's a good player. What can you say? And, and I'd like to see his adaptability now. They'll draw him back a little deeper sometimes. But this looked like, for the most part, the 4-4-2 when it was announced. Um, Everton lineup was, I mean, I don't think we're going to do too much better than this with current personnel, are we?
1: No, I don't think so. And, and, you know, given some of the injuries, I mean, we had three changes, right? McNeil comes in for Anthony Gordon, who leading up to this match was reportedly unwell. We obviously saw him used as a substitute later on, but McNeil gets a start. With Damari Gray on the opposite wing, Seamus Coleman gets his first start of the season and returns to uh, wielding the armband in for Nathan Patterson, who over the international break, as most of you will know, picked up a kind of nasty ankle injury that looks to have him out for four to five weeks estimated. Uh, the good news, I guess, is that Pickford has returned from his injury, and we were able to name an unchanged midfield lineup of Adrisagana Gay, Alex Awobi, and Amadou Onana, who have been a revelation, have completely... I guess, regenerated the middle of the park for Everton. And we saw some really good stuff from all three of them today. Um, Some of the news that obviously happened while we were on hiatus was that Everton sold Alon to the Middle East, to the United Arab Emirates, to El Wada, El Wahada, for an undisclosed fee. We'll talk on that later when we get into the substitutes and some of the options we had off the bench but before we get into the timeline, Ryan, let's talk a little bit about the tactical setups for both teams. Let's do that. Um, like I said, I, I think upon watching and watched it
0: a couple different times, it wasn't as static as I've seen, but it looked like it was a back to the four, four, two. At least you had two center forwards up some of their pressure, which they do a lot of was a little bit unique. I thought they were almost trapping the ball, forcing it into gun and then jumping kind of on him and maybe a little bit tougher at times, but When they had the ball, they were pushing Walker Peters way up. I mean, he had 76 touches, second most. Um, They're really going at Mikalinko, which is, I mean, you look at his numbers. Mikalinko had to make a lot of tackles today. Did okay. I thought collectively as a side, we did all right. And they're very compact. They're hard to play down the middle. So what you're going to see is typically, and what you did see, was us having to push a lot of attacks out wide. So when, you know, for us, you had McNeil, And Gray really kind of playing in the half spaces, flip-flopping a little bit. We were trying to play that 4-3-3, which is what we've been playing with Ghana sitting in front of Onan on the right and Awobi on the left. And what you saw a lot, at least what I saw, was McNeil and Gray cutting inside on their strong foot and really having trouble because there was a lot of traffic in front of them. McNeil, you could tell, wants to unleash that left foot. It's very obvious. And I do think he profiles better as a right winger and cutting inside to score but the problem is if you've got two fullbacks that can't get forward and and Seamus is not what he was once was. And he's always been a, a different player anyway. He almost likes cutting inside in the half space, you know, so he's almost done better with the wider player. And Mikolinko was making some runs ignored. It's not really a wing back either. So I, I think that's what you saw. Um, so you just didn't see many numbers in the in the box. Right. I mean, you've got the moped run around up there and you've got a Woby trying to support. But even Alex was not like you could tell we just didn't want to give up too much down the middle. And, and I thought in the first half in particular, when we had more possession, we actually did well creating chances in possession relative to the risks that we were taking, which weren't many. Um, and I think Southampton actually probably did take some risks with their pressure. I mean, you could tell Bella Kochamp was was just playing almost 1v1 against the moped most of the time. We'll get to the refereeing on that matchup in a little bit. Um, but it seems like, James, the numbers kind of kind of flush that out. And uh, when you look at kind of the average positions, I mean, I think that's right. There were times Ghana was dropped a little deeper than I was expecting. But if they're going to press with two center forwards, that allows us to outnumber them in the buildup. And if there's one thing that Frank has done well, at least when I've watched his teams in the past, it's construct a buildup that is good and effective. So I think tactically, we're fine building out of the back structurally. I just think you've got two fullbacks that maybe weren't on their game in possession and going forward. I'm not sure if that's what you saw as well.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I think we still saw a number of long balls and we have some numbers on that later, but especially in the early stages in most of the first half, there was a commitment to But better though. don't you? Yeah, think? I think so. I think so. Well, a the long balls, I think were generally more accurate than they have been, but also yeah. the commitment to building out of the back was clearly there. We saw Ghana dropping deep to receive. And as you said, that was kind of the trigger for Southampton's press, but he did a great job of, of resisting that pressure and finding an outlet. Um, the the fullbacks didn't get up much, but they had plenty to do defensively. Pretty balanced for both teams in terms of attacking, you know, left, right, center. Both teams favoring the their left hand side, but not really by much. And generally forced to go outside, though still some going down the middle. And Southampton again, we dominated the first half, but as the game wore on, and, and they started to to push for the. Late equalizer, they had a lot of chances and some chances in some really good areas. Meanwhile, we had 40%, 50% of our chances inside the box, 50% from outside. Meanwhile, Southampton 67% inside the 18. Um, So, distribution of shots still not great for this Everton side, and the XG does reflect that, even though, of course, we got the win. We'll get into the timeline and all the specific actions in just a minute. But before we do that, quick break for a word from our wonderful sponsors. And we are back. So, James, let's get into the timeline.
0: It was a strange match. Sometimes it felt like nothing happened. And then in very short periods of time, lots of things happened. But I think you're right. I think we started out good. We've started out well, uh, often, more often than not this year. But I felt like this was a little more extended. As compact as they were going to be, their opportunities to keep the ball a little bit against them. Uh, they came out of their shell a little bit more in the second half. I thought we showed some decent control at times. And you're right. The long balls were better. But when they're playing that compact, you've got some backside opportunities. We took some of them. There was that early cross with Awobi going for Onana, which I'm kind of curious what you think about that. He he looked like he got taken down. Now, Onana's pretty smart. He'll go down sometimes. I don't want to call him a diver. But um, when he feels pressure, he does. And it's very dramatic because the guy's just six foot five it, arms and limbs like a right?
1: tree in the forest falling. It just looks a little ridiculous. There was mean, one later on in the, when he got nudged in the back that he just collapsed and he's yeah. so big. It's a little funny looking. But I, there definitely were a lot of crosses getting swung in in the early stages of the match. And I thought we were on track to have, you know, 40 crosses. We ended with far fewer than that. But that first one from a where he burst down the touchline and cut back and swung a beautiful ball and was encouraging, especially that early on to get, get a chance that good. It's
0: very interesting how some guys can stay in wide spots and have these big, lovely crosses, not Alex Awobi, but notice when he's playing within the half spaces and down the middle, he can shape those little balls into people. He's pretty clever in that way. Uh, Obviously it created our goal, one of our goals. Um, But look in the first 40 minutes, I I thought we dominated And, and granted we didn't create massive chances but we had the ball in so many dangerous areas. It was five to two in shots in that first 40 minutes, two shots on target for us, zero for them, 54.3% possession, four corners to zero. But geez, I mean, I I just felt like we blew chances to create more. And and I think a lot of it's what we said, you know, we get the ball in the wide spaces. We're either not decisive or we couldn't break through them or we didn't take chances and kind of slow the things down. And Damari Gray was the one for me that had so many opportunities with the ball and, and they rightfully back off him because he can't be people on the dribble, not making good decisions. I mean, it just is kind of what he is. Um, yeah. I mean, what the first shot on target
1: was, was it the 38th? Is that true? That might not be true, but that was the one with the, the corner kick that went to the far post and the moped himself yeah, kind of hit it right at their keeper. There was the other one. Gray had that dangerous free kick that clearly got deflected. Oh. I think the announcer said everyone but the referee <laughs> saw it, which seemed accurate and somehow was awarded a goal kick. It was well taken from Gray. Still a little odd that he was getting set piece opportunities when he got Dwight McNeil on the pitch, but who but am I you to complain when he's putting him that close, you know?
0: True. And look, from the left side, you want an in-swinger. I mean, he's your best shot of the sure. people that are on the pitch. So let me tell you what, though. Dwight McNeil had a couple corners that were... Ooh. I mean, the way he can shape and drop a ball in, it's really dangerous. And and the example you gave, I, he he had no ability to get any power on the header, but it was still a dangerous play. So, look, Understat had us you know, 0.85 to 0.5 for them in terms of XG. I don't remember them having any chance. I guess the Che Adams had a chance fairly early, but it wasn't all that dangerous, I, I don't think. But looking at the stats, I mean, they weren't so dramatic just because that last kind of space right before the end of the half, they started to take control of the match. And I don't know if that's fatigue or really shouldn't be considering we, we were on the ball so much. I didn't notice any changes, but coming out in the second half, I felt like they were all over us. And I mean, so James Garner raised a point. I'm curious what your thoughts are at J.R. Gardner 91. How are we always so bleep when we come out for the second half? Now, I will mention the West Ham match. I felt like we came out very well in the second half, but I kind of agree with James. I feel like we've been off it a little bit when it started, and this was no exception. This is something Frank's got to get fixed.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Could it? Part of me thinks it's down to Hasenhutl making some adjustments and maybe Frank just saying, keep doing what we're doing. And so Southampton were able to kind of address what we were doing successfully, but it also feels like kind of just a, a lapse in in concentration and just not really pushing on building on what we've done positively so far. We just let the opposition come on to us and You know, there was, of course, leading to the craziest five minutes so far this season in the 49th shortly after. And this was this was the Everton that moment of the game where we go down one nil despite dominating pretty comprehensively up to that point. It was poor defending. This is where I think the lapse in concentration comes in, because there's just guys, you know, you've Cody backing off there's so much space for them and and despite them having very little in terms of chances up to this point they find themselves in the lead
0: interesting stat at half two to kind of give you an idea they had 18 clearances in the first half we had three that's a that's a big number and i'm just realizing this now yeah i don't see a massive difference other than the fact that we had the ball more in the first half and they you know we we're about even in tackle so my guess is it wasn't so much tactical i i, I think they just ratched up the pressure they're probably a little more aggressive getting on us but that was it and you're right it just seemed like their goal was a byproduct of them just kind of ratching it up but yeah i want to talk about this one a little bit because i think there's some mistakes on this one that were really frustrating a lot of people immediately the ball watching crowd i'll call them uh, saw that ghana gave the ball away i, I don't think that's really what happens here anana turns his back completely on it doesn't adjust to the ball at all and there's a scene there not a big seam and so the passer is limited in terms of getting it through the seam it's like a quarterback throwing a ball into space for a wide receiver because you want to throw it somewhere where they can't get it to and if the wide receiver reacts a little bit and I think that's what happened here and I don't think the pass is that bad and even worse than didn't react right away didn't come back grab him foul him and L- Larios was gone I mean he by the way he showed some quickness
1: there didn't he kids quick yeah
0: yeah, he is. And and look, Ghana tracks him all the way down. And I think that's a great reaction from him. He passes it to Che Adams. But yes, James, like you said, he back, Cody backs off. Tark is backing off. I mean, that's that's what we've got. And I know a lot of people are talking about how great our defense is. But look, our expected goals against here is going into this week is the fourth worst in the league. So we are giving up a lot of opportunities. And that's what you see. My issue on this play more than anything, because eventually the ball goes over to uh, Arebo and He buries it is what Coleman does here. Coleman's tracking back. And I get when the ball gets passed over to Che. Che's on the left side cutting into the half space. I understand why Coleman may look at him and go after the ball, but he shouldn't have. He was trailing and running with Rebo. He just stopped and cut over to the left. Why? Cody's got him. If he sticks with the runner there, they don't get that chance at all. Or Che's going to put it in the corner, which I doubt it. Onana, maybe if he ran harder back, could have gotten him. By the time he finally gets the ball and buries it, Onana's kind of to his side. Couldn't get his long legs in front of him. Tarkowski can't slide over either because Mara's there and Michelin fine on this one people are like where was he he was making a run right when Ghana played that pass and busted his tail back he had no business even being where he was so to me this is not on Ghana guy giving that ball away I don't think there's much wrong with that pass he immediately reacted and busted his tail and tracked a runner all the way Larios because he didn't stop this is on Coleman making a bad decision to go after the ball and Onana getting not getting back and filling in the space behind him And it's very interesting because our main man, Halsey Nim, had this comment to say earlier. uh, Nobody seems to be picking up the midfield runner arriving late. Possession in defense and midfield needs to improve. Sure enough, on the break, this is your midfielder, basically not arriving late so much, but still coming in from the midfield. And there has to be recognition. And you can't expect Tarkowski necessarily to step up and get a player from the midfield like that when he's got a center forward in front of him. Your thoughts, James? Is that
1: an accurate analysis? Did you see it differently? No, I mean, I, I think that's fair. I think it was so funny listening to the announcer just to cry the lack of p- closing players down. He's like, they don't close. No one closes down players anymore in the modern games. like, oh, I heard that. I that like, is outrageous to say. Yeah, no but- one does that. No one presses in the. Li- I mean, are you watching the other team? <laughs> it's
0: Bella crazy, Kuchamp man. Is literally on Neil's back the entire. Ma- so no, what are you talking about?
1: But but. There is something to be said for a back line that includes Seamus Coleman, Connor Cody, mm-hmm. and James Tarkowski not closing guys down. And Miko, too. Not. Uh, that's, a, yeah. that's, a, that's an issue Even, with him. I mean, he backs off too much, too. That's true. Not None of those four are going known to be in-your-face, super disruptive, pressuring. They're more contained. And especially you know, Seamus, I think, had a pretty rough first half in terms of his ability and possession. And he just makes a bad decision here. He's getting older. You'd think the experience and decision making would be what carries him at this point rather than any kind of you know physical ability. It's more of the what's in between the ears. But no, Ryan, I think you, I think you said it really well. And I don't have a great deal to add other than, again, to concede when you've been dominating. So comprehensively up to this point just sucks. Luckily, yeah. it was only a matter of a couple more minutes when we were able to turn the tides and uh, the mood shifted substantially. But I
0: would welcome other people watch the whole play back. I mean, I really feel confident that was in essence the issue, but I'd love to get some feedback as usual on the pod. But yeah, let's talk about this goal. So it starts with Onana kind of getting tossed to the ground. But I mean, they called it this time. It's like rolling dice at this point. We'll get to Andre Mariner here in a second. It's a longer set piece, but, I mean, Damari Gray really delivers a great ball here, doesn't he? And the announcer kept saying, well, Awobi was off sides. I'm like, who, who cares? cares? It's it's totally, what are you talking about? It's just like a weird observation. So, look, Onana rises up here, and, look, he's, I know some people will be like, think he's great on the header. And every time Pick was taking goal kicks long, notice how he would drift over and try and find him. He's not that great in the air, but look, he's 6'5 and can
1: jump. You can man. only be so bad when
0: you're 6'5. Right. right. He rose up and and <laughs> Cody hits it into the empty net. I, I don't know what uh, Chaletasar is doing here. I, he just stands and watches the header, but that's no more ridiculous. I It's just terrible defending here. I mean, you know the header's coming back. What, what are you doing? Can we talk about the announcer there? It was a striker's fit. He was just so overwhelmed by this incredible finish by Connor Cody
1: (laughs) is, I mean, it's a tap in it's a tap, but he struck it so
0: hard. It was coming at him fast. I mean, what?
1: I mean, it's not, it's nice that he didn't shank it, but he has to do it. it would have, he'd have to do a lot more work to miss from there rather than make it. It's nice to take it out of the air. It's a good finish. Thrilled to be level, but that analysis just, I mean, come on, give me and. and And Mike Bone, at Michael underscore Bone, he was
0: the announcer for the Brentford game, really ticked me off today. (laughs) Yeah, he said some crazy stuff. Now, you know, at this point, there's also this just completely mad moment right afterwards, where Southampton has the ball in our box, bunch of chances. I mean, a couple blocks, just a total scramble. And I'm thinking, James, we are
1: going to go down here. But that's not what happens at all, right? Pickford diving all over the place, trying I know. to make So We have blocks, chaos, and then the ball comes back out. Gray has it, ends up with Mopi, who flicks it back to Awobi in midfield. The backside, we've got the numbers there with Onana and McNeil. Awobi makes a good pass to Gray inside the circle, cut inside. Oh. Gray doing what he does. J- I, I, was lo- on I was the ball. losing my
0: mind at this point. I'm like, you have so many options. Why are you not playing it? Eventually, the midfield is going to come back, but he does find Awobi on the 18th and Larios backs off of Iwobi here and I, I know Alex is pretty good on the ball but this was a mistake.
1: He will be, you know, instilling fear in the opposition. He backs it up. Allows Awobi to chip it Onana trying to win the penalty there. It's a penalty. It's a penalty. It's the push in the back. Luckily it doesn't matter because none other than Dwight McNeil is there. With his left foot, with the tough angle with the left foot, but that's that's his bread and butter. That beautiful left foot and he smacks the crap out of it into the back of the net and in the span of four minutes we've gone from down one in horrible fashion to somehow leading so that was that was i mean that's all the goals scored that's the game in a nutshell but then it became kind of a slog where we try to see the game out uh and do so not super effectively it definitely was very nervy for the remaining you know 40 40 minutes or so McNeil was very happy too. I mean, he yes. was very love to see him get his first regular goal for Everton.
0: I hate the term confidence player, but he just seems like that type of guy. You know, he's still very young. People forget. It's good to see Alex be getting another assist, stupid stat. Um, but McNeil got it, had one blocked right after it. He was feeling and then in the 56, we had this massive chance with Seamus cutting it back on his left foot and Onana with a point blank header, which is a perfect example of him getting the opportunities. Really missed this one. He is huge and athletic. This is something he can work on, though, that that I would anticipate he would improve on it. And, and this chance, I mean, the fans are going crazy on the TV. You could hear him just screaming spirit of the blues. But that was about the, <laughs> the last real chance we got.
1: The numbers are pretty astounding after uh, really after the goal in general, though. Yeah, I mean, we take the lead. And like many teams in this league would do, we try to preserve it and try to see the match out. But there's so much that, that I'd like to see us improve on when we're winning in terms of take, you say, you say it all the time around taking the air out of the ball. Don't just sit back in a, in a low block, but just put your best foot forward. Try to dictate the game. Even when you're leading instead, we end up with Southampton 65.1 possession after our second goal, 12 to four in shots. They had four shots on target to our one six to zero in corners. It was very lopsided the other way up until then. And then, we allowed them to have 85% pass success. So they just were kind of able to do whatever they wanted. And it seemed like for the most part, we were content to let them do it and just hope we could squeak by and get see out the three points. It's a combination of a couple different things. It's our
0: inability to control the ball when we did have chances to control it and make some bad decisions. I think there's some guilty individuals in this case. I don't think it was anything overly structural, but look Southampton are aggressive at this point. They were pushing everyone up. They were pressuring. I thought that the best way to close this one out was to get the third goal. I, I really did because I, I thought for sure they were going to score. It was just too much for us. I, I know people love our um, bushwhackers slash sheepherders combination in, in the center back pairing. I don't know if you've seen that. The The Bobblers have like the county road bushwhackers. I'd like <laughs> to mention, I personally, they were used to be called the sheepherders when they were in before WWF, WWE, whatever the heck it is now. They were much better, but that's just my personal opinion. <laughs> anyway, um, we did have some chances of the play behind, not enough yeah. of them, but man, I'll tell you what, there was one play where Onana we picked up a turnover and the moped was gone, and he just terrible weight on the pass, which is Onana's pretty good at retaining the ball with passing, maybe not as creative. This was a big miss. And then and then McNeil had that wonderful play to Damari Gray. By the way, if I could bottle a moment for Gray and Gordon to watch this would be it where he had McNeil not flying and blowing by someone at pace, but when he has the ball, he's got some length and size. He can kind of hold people at bay. He had his head up though. He saw where gray was the whole time. And when gray kind of went wider, then held his run nicely, lovely little ball to him. He should have dribbled here. I mean, just hit it right away. And it's funny because he had a very similar play earlier in the year where he gracefully played around him and buried it. Um, Maybe it was against West Ham. Maybe I'm forgetting, but, but those are two huge chances. I think two more of those, and we probably put it away. That's what I was most disappointed with. I feel like there were opportunities to do that. We we didn't take take advantage of them.
1: Yeah, you gotta you gotta take those moments. The Onana one, Mopime, the run is great. The pass, as you say, the weight is way off. It is a tough angle where he's basically playing it t- you know directly vertically. But Perfect. you gotta do better there. Um But the line's and, up so high, you've got I mean, you gotta recognize that you've got plenty of space to work sure. with here. Just take a little air out of it, but fair. Yeah, but but again, the, the McNeil, again, it's great to see him able to create Gray. This is what we need from him, but as he does he is he is. several times, just wasteful when he finally gets the opportunity. And then in the 60th minute, in 67th, Southampton make a litany of subs. They seem to They obviously bring on Armstrong to uh, go up top. They, they look like they're going to make a triple sub, and then they kind of spaced it out a little bit. Um, they bring on Adam Armstrong and Romain Perot. They later bring on Samuel Adozi for Ainsley Mait- Maitland Niles and fresh legs and a slight tactical change, I think, as well.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, I thought it might be. Honestly, I think that was the natural thing to look at it, but it still looked like Armstrong was kind of pushed up top, which mm. so I'm not sure, but they had so much possession. They were doing some things differently. They were certainly pressing and pushing up at least one of their midfielders higher, almost looking like a 10, but not quite. Um, and yeah, I mean, it. It. it Paid off immediate dividends there. I, I'd say the save of the match really was the Pickford save on Armstrong, who did really well on a cross to the middle, showed tremendous composure, gone to hit the ground and he still had enough intelligence and thought to kind of make a little move. And he smokes this ball and Pickford does really well here to get his hand on it. I, I thought Pick had a couple plays earlier or later too, where he parried a ball out with enough distance to kind of give him time to reset. I thought he played very well and you could tell we were really losing it here. And I kept saying, Frank makes subs earlier. What do you think about the subs that he then came with in the 74th in terms of, uh, did Gordon and Davies make a difference? And was it too early, too late? Um, would you have done anything differently here?
1: Again, I mean, the, it's, it's, every week at this point, I think with the way that half had gone, I think you would have been well served to make a couple subs earlier further. I'm not sure these were the subs I would have made. Anthony Gordon coming on is fine. I assumed from the very beginning when I saw him on the bench, that he would eventually replace gray. Um, and, and Frank seemed to think that McNeil was the one who needed to come off. I'd, Again, I think Gray is, a, or McNeil rather, is a more useful defensive player, especially if we're going to be off the ball a lot more than Gray. Gray is the guy who probably can come up with that one moment of brilliance if you do want to try to get that third goal. True. But Onana for Tom Davies, that one I think was really killer because Tom Davies came on and just was not not the best version of Tom Davies we've seen near the probably worst version of Tom Davies. And when you have Abdullah Decoray on the bench, why do you not bring him on unless he's like not fully back fit and you don't really trust him? Tom Davies was really poor. And I thought even though we were poor in possession before that, we were even worse. I mean, he was one for four in passes. He barely got on the ball, but just so slow rotating. He think he ended with like a clearance. I, I I thought the subs could have come earlier and I would have brought DeCore on and I would have taken off. Gray instead of McNeil, personally. I think Gordon's work rate was welcome. I think he did a yeah. good
0: job kind of helping out for Coleman uh, as they had him out right. Um, eventually later, when they moved to kind of a Wobi up left. Look, I mean, after the subs, really. I mean, after the, after actually Pickford's save on Armstrong, or maybe starting with that, it was complete domination by Southampton. Seventy two point six percent possession, ten to one in shots, five corners to zero. I mean, that's the last twenty five minutes. That's pretty brutal. The only shot we really had was that crazy shot by Solomon Rondon, which, I mean, I kind of bravo for having the the courage to take it, but maybe that was not the right thing at the right time. But we saw it out, James, and and I thought they were going to score for sure and thought we needed that third goal. It never came. But like every match, I feel like there's always one big one, right? There always is. I was not happy with that foul in the 95th by Rondon. I don't quite get that. And granted, it was a little bit of a flop. And, you know, was that Bella Concha just flopping all match today, which is strange to watch. And look, this is, you don't want to give Ward Prowse a chance to deliver one at God. this point, but uh, Chaletasar maybe should have done better with this, but I mean, come on, what do you expect from the guy? It was still a bad angle and pick may have had it anyway. What is Tom Davies doing on this play? I mean, he just basically stops and lets him go. It's the only guy in the back, man. You got to mark him and, and the delivery is good enough to get over the last man that's in zone old Tark. Uh, which, by the way, if that's maybe someone like Yeri Mina, probably doesn't get over his head. But Tark's okay in the box and commanding, so Davies has got to get the backside and at least prevent him from making that run. Either way, we get away from it, we end up winning the match. Um, yeah, Rondon, what the heck are you thinking? You know, it's very interesting match, really. I mean, we'll get down to the the do we deserve the win or not soon enough. But uh, the one point that you made in here, which I or observation you made was was on the long balls, which you know, we had the ball a lot less in the second half and, and, but we still had about the same amount of long balls, but I would say overall, it was um, an improvement in terms of the guys in the back playing the ball and not unnecessarily giving away possession, but, but you're right. We did see some of that in the second half and probably bringing Rondon on later was probably the idea to say, look, if we're not going to keep it, at least he can give us some hold up play. Didn't quite play out that way, but I I mean, I think our long passing was okay today. I I think
1: it was, it was. And, And again, it's not, it's not a bad tactic when you can place them well. And when it's coupled with the support of actually trying to play out of the back, sometimes it's more a problem when it's our, only option we hoof it almost every single time and in the first half we had 37 long balls 36 in the second half but obviously way less possession so hoofing it more frequently but the success rate as you say Ryan huge improvement James Starkowski was four for five long balls Connor Cody five for nine and Jordan Pickford 15 for 25 and it was commented on a number of times just how good his distribution looked and that's that's great right we'll take that all day that's when Jordan Pickford is at his best, that's something he definitely brings to this team is that long distribution. And it keeps teams on their toes. You try to buy if if Southampton are going to press, they're going to press aggressively. Then you want to try to bypass that with some long balls. And Pickford especially did that really well. 15 for 25 is no joke. It's tremendous, I think. And some of I mean, those are on long passes. So.
0: I feel like we were doing something tactically that was clever, though. I felt like we were running Onana in behind guys over to the left a few times. And maybe they saw something because Ralph likes to stay very compact when he doesn't have the ball. And perhaps that was this because I felt like it wasn't that he just had a matchup advantage with. I think they had Stuart Armstrong over there for a while. And Walker Peters isn't going to step up and necessarily win one. But there were times where it was uncontested on either of those sides. So I felt like there was some space in there that maybe the coaching staff saw. Uh, Peter rabbit has a good quote here, which is a decent summary as well as, as an interesting, uh, observation on pick. And then I want to get to some of the crowd responses that he's been, um, eliciting recently. So Peter yeah. rabbit says we ground out a result on the road, which is all that matters. And he's right. Pickford was very good again today and got us over the line and we can score a couple of goals in a match away from Goodison. Who knew, um, <laughs> That's right. I mean, pick. I don't want to say he's the difference maker today, but I mean, that that save on Armstrong could have been a goal easy. It kind of a subtly really good game. But I mean, is he deserving all the whistling he's getting for the delays? I feel like at this point, he's probably
1: just milking up and playing it to the crowd just to irritate them, which I kind of applaud. I love that, man. It's between him, Mopai, and a few of these other guys. We really know how to rile up the home fans or the opposition fans in general. And I, I love to see that. And you can tell, you know, he's always got that kind of sly smirk on his face when he's doing it. The announcers even were like, oh, you know, oh, wh- why would you waste time when there's all of a sudden they add seven minutes of stoppage time? And then you can see it in the seventh minute. It's like it's it's gamesmanship. And as infuriating as it is when other teams do it against us, it's the way the game is. And until they start punishing it in a more aggressive way, more, you know, yellow card and guys earlier on doing things like that, then it's going to continue. And if they're fine with a 90 minute game, having the ball in play for half that time or less, then so be it. Then that's the way it's going to be. And you have to play the hand you're dealt. And we did so today. And so, Hey, you know, Jordan Pickford is, he, he makes other fans really mad. And, uh, he kind of leans into it, the villain role, which I, again, I applaud that. I love it. I can definitely relate to that as a former player (laughs) in all sports. I just,
0: boy, I get, I'd get the other team's crowd. So mad at me. Um, But sometimes that can give you a mental edge, but I I think there's also another tactical aspect of this. And I think at one point, a was down and probably hurt, but laying down longer. I think Onana did the same thing, although maybe he was a little banged up. He was on international duty as well. Look, do you want to play a faster tempo against Southampton? No. So good. I mean, I'm glad we were doing that, especially with the lead. You know, it knocks them out of their rhythm. And they were doing very well against us in the second half. So any chance we could get to stop the game, we should have taken advantage of it. I would like to see us even do it more in the second half. Um, I think it does go back to that question we raised earlier, though. Did we deserve all three points? Did we deserve to win, James? I I, I, I thought about this one a little bit. and I'm curious your take before I offer mine.
1: Yeah, I think we do purely for just the response to going down. We talked about it at the very top of the show. Our record has been so poor to go back and get two goals immediately after going down. We didn't really have to linger uh, on the wrong side of the result for too long before we swung it the other way. And as much as I would love to see us be more comfortable with the lead and comfortable in possession when defending a lead and able to nullify teams that want to ramp up the pressure to try to get the lead back, I think we did enough. The defending even though we gave up a lot of chances, we had a lot of blocks. Guys stood tall. I think of the the free kick that James Ward-Prowse had where Sheamus got the block in. Really a nice move overall. So I say we deserve to win. We're still clearly riding our luck. You know, the XGA that you touched on already, Ryan, and we talked about a lot so far this season. We're still getting really lucky. We didn't have the XG philosophy today. We had Kaylee graphics and understat had similar numbers as well. It's about like a 1.8 to 1.9 in favor of Everton. Single game XG has its flaws, as we will say, and disclaim. add the disclaimer every time. But it felt like, you know, we had the good chances and then they just had a slew of maybe not so great chances that cumulatively... They could have very easily equalized, but we saw the result out. So I don't know, Ryan, what are your thoughts?
0: Single game XG is difficult and situational XG really matters. You know, once you go up, look, I, I didn't like how loose we started out in the second half. I didn't like them beating those loose balls. And I just felt like we were, I, I'd say this, we were probably fortunate to within the first 15, 20 minutes of the first half end up being up. I would say that, but I felt like, I, you know, I go back to Dan McArdle's tweet earlier. I think he got it right. I think in the first half we had chance. If we had a little more quality in those wider spaces and maybe a little more attack-minded quality on the fullbacks, I think we'd bang in a couple in that first half. And this is a, a different match. But but look, I mean, Ghana had 70 touches. we had 67. Those were our top two guys. And I thought when we were on it in the first half, we looked pretty good and the midfield is, is transformed the team, but we are, we are right. Strong midfield now, which is nice to see. And I, and, and weaker wide space play. And I, I frankly rather have that. I think you're prone to be more consistent that way. And you know, you're on the road and um, I mean, look, uh, well, let's just get into performances because I thought there were some good individual ones here that really kind of made the difference. And when I see that Southampton team, I see, like I said, limited guys that can create their bench was very good. So I was always concerned when you look at benches that they had options and maybe they could kind of, you know, get a charge from some of the subs. But when I look at the good and bad performances, you know, James, let's start with you first. Um, It's hard to ignore the two guys with who had the most touches today.
1: Yeah, a little bit of foreshadowing just now, Ryan, well played. I went with Adrisagana Gay for my good player of the day. Just thought he was so calm. He had a couple errant passes, but pretty much everyone on the team did. Four for six in tackles, two clearances, two interceptions. As you say, led the team in touches with 70. Just the ability to consistently drop deep, provide an outlet for our defense. The number of times where he was just snatching the ball off the opposition, ability to, to be disruptive in those areas, exactly what you want from a six and exactly what we've been crying out for from that position for so many seasons. It's amazing what, and not to dismiss what Onana and Iwobi have brought, but that type of player profile has transformed our entire team as far as I'm concerned. He's been an unbelievable signing. Even if he's only got this level of play in him for another season, then I'm fine with it because we've so, we needed this so badly and he's providing exactly what the doctor ordered.
0: And you look at the marketplace and what could be gotten in terms of that fixed position and the incredible cost of how expensive these players were and what they were going for. Uh, He's been a revelation. He's completely transformed the team. Um, it's It's been great to see. I can't believe... I mean, how could you have watched him at PSG and not thought you were going to get this player? But I digress. Uh, I'm going to go with Alex Iwobi. I, can't, I keep being hesitant to to name him as my good player, you know?
1: You've got to give the man his dues. He's been so good. And we he feel has, like he's in this list every single week. Deservedly so.
0: I, he's been debatably the man of the match for us every match this year. Uh, three key passes led the team. And again, this is without set pieces. Okay, he lost the ball a couple times today, but I think that was more kind of loose balls. I think he probably had a lot of recoveries, too. I'd love to see that number. Three for seven in tackles. He had a lot of engagements um, all over the pitch, as usual. One interception, two for three in crosses. I thought that was a good development, and they were dangerous. Four for six in long balls. He was the linkage between defense and attack, as he has been. And I'll tell you what. It would be really exciting to see this guy playing like this with a couple good attacking fullbacks that can get up and down a little more quality in the half spaces for him to feed the ball to. So you're not so reliant on him creating. And even a guy like Dominic Calvert-Lewin up top, it would be really exciting to watch this midfield kind of feed these people. Um, and we've got a quote from Matt Cheatham at Matt underscore Cheatham. Alex Iwobi's created more chances from open play than any premier league midfielder. Not named Kevin De Bruyne this season. Um, and we know what a mad transfer fee Kevin De Bruyne's were. We know what the soccer saturation guys say. I mean, they thought it was in Lira. And so is Alex Awilby starting to pay off the $28 million paid for him? I don't know. Anyway, I'm gonna move on. Um, James, l- let's talk about maybe who wasn't quite up for it today. And your choice, I think, is I don't want to say it's controversial. Um, It's kind of like he had a lot of opportunities, but it's what he did with them. Do you give him credit for being there? I don't know. I'm I'm curious your take on this one exactly, because I'm I'm kind of going back and forth on it myself.
1: Yeah, I I went with Damari Gray. We've talked about him a lot already today because of how involved he has been or was throughout the match. And very promising signs from him early on in terms of he had that sick spin move in the box that actually didn't end up really coming off. But it was. Nice to see the him brimming with confidence and then cutting inside to get that shot off, which he ultimately scuffed. So like that's that's the good Demario Gray. That's the Demario Gray we want to see. Aggressive taking guys on. But too often throughout the match, he just killed our attack with the his tendency to slow things down. He was very errant with a lot of passes. He was the lowest pass accuracy of any of our starters of 62%. And you look at the rest of the front line. I mean, Mopai had 88% pass success and McNeil at 81. So he was on the ball a lot. He was dispossessed a couple of times. He did have two tackles and two attempted and an interception and wasn't dispossessed. So I see what you're saying, Ryan, where it's controversial, where, you know, the stats, he had some some decent numbers. But I think Andy Cieha at Schmub has a really good comment here. he said, win is a win and a much needed three points, but gray is infuriating. He just can't help his teammates. We need to learn how to see out games with possession. If for no other reason than my nerves. But I think the comment on gray is the key one. He just is so infuriating because we see these moments of brilliance, but that's too infrequent for how often he's on the ball and he'll do something amazing. And then he'll do five really, really annoying, infuriating things in a row. And that's why he's in my bad. Um, But, He's still, I think, a guy that changes games for us under the right circumstances. Today, he was just a little bit off it. And we've talked about, you know, the the polarity between Anthony Gordon and Damari Gray, how when one plays well, the other doesn't. Well, Anthony Gordon came on late and actually was pretty impactful in limited minutes. And Damari Gray, just not his best day.
0: He is who he thought we thought he was. <laughs> um, it's true. There's a funny story about that Denny Green episode, too, uh, with a friend of mine from grad school. But anyway... Um yeah, Gray, Gray's exactly the player that we said he was. And when he was playing more direct last year, you see how good he can be. He he is probably as good a player as you could possibly be without ever picking up your head and making relatively good decisions on the ball. I seriously. He just dwells on it, and that's how he was. That's why at Leverkusen they were so frustrated with him because they wanted to play high tempo and he would just everything would just stop. And it's not like stops like when you know Messi gets the ball or like this midfield maestro that that just you know time stands still and they're pinging it like Pirlo
1: wait you're saying Damari Gray's not Messi or Pirlo that is some astute analysis my friend he is not uh that is true
0: but he is what he is. He's what we got for right now. And he still does have his moments. Maybe not enough of them today, but I mean, you could tell how he strikes a ball. I mean, on the cross there for the, you know, the Onana header and goal. I mean, that thing was so well. Stri- That's the thing. Like he strikes a ball so well, too. It's not just like speed
1: and dribbling. And he scares guys, too. Like, guys will back off him. He does. So there's something to be said for that, but too off, too infrequently, he takes advantage of that. That helps in possession. If you've got a guy that can go
0: by you, you're going to back off him. I mean, that's people forget about that. Maybe you're not the greatest dribbler, but the ability to go by someone helps in possession and control, even though you look at these guys and think they're kind of reckless. Like Adama Traore, when he plays, people back off that guy. I mean, it, it helps. It makes a difference. But anyway, so I, I, I go to my bad guy. Bad, gotta hate that. I, we gotta figure out a different wording on the segment because I feel like I'm yeah. such a negative Nancy it, when we win. If I've you guys have any
1: suggestions on the the terminology Bad. here, definitely let us know. Well, look,
0: I mean, I, I can't lie. I think Tom Davies was less than impactful. Like you said, one of four for passes. Like you came on the 73rd minute, man. Like seriously, and you're playing in the midfield. Uh the the falling asleep on the set piece at the end. Zero tackles. Zero interceptions. One clearance. I just don't understand subbing him on before Decorae. To Frank's credit, I mean, he's got more information than we have. So maybe maybe Abdullah de wasn't quite ready to come in and play those kind of minutes. I'd be surprised about that. I I don't think that makes any sense whatsoever. And I just it's just a shame because that's an opportunity for him to come on and make an impact. And I don't think he did. It begs to ask a question, though, James, was moving along a bad idea?
1: If um, Well, for how often we've talked about wanting to have him off the bench as a sub before he left, I think both of us probably agree it feels like a bad idea, um, but if he wasn't ever going to get mi- I guess it's like a chicken and egg thing because was he not playing because we didn't we were trying to move him and didn't want to give him minutes or was that a, what did he move because he wasn't going to get the minutes, I guess, you know, what eh, I- look, and, and it's all a byproduct
0: of fee and whatnot. It's it's an interesting idea. Um he was in his last year. I get it. I, I just um if you get we a fee know. for him. We we'll got the fee. Of, yeah. I yeah. We'll we'll see what kind of business we can do in January. I don't know the numbers on that one, but if you got any fee whatsoever, it can't hurt financial fair play, and maybe that allows us to do some business in January because we didn't make any long term potential mistake commitments. So I think that's that's a good thing. Um Let's talk about Dwight McNeil, because I had yeah. some interesting conversations about him. So, look, he had fa- he had four turnovers. I get it. And he lost the ball a couple times, although he's really good at winning it back, is he not? Um, he had the goal. Two key passes. You know, I think they were off set pieces. Um, loved him on corners today. He only had 43 touches in his time, but that was about the same because Gray had 51 and 90. So there's been some dialogue here. He's got some doubters. I know he's not fast. But I asked the question out on Twitter, why are people so kind of critical or doubting him? So I had a couple of interesting responses. Tanner at Tana Robertson. I think players that are pretty one-footed will get that more often than not because it's something people can latch onto. Um Peter Dodds had an interesting observation at Peter Dodds 15. Get Gray and McNeil off. And then the second they do something, wait. Grant McNeil, amazing, and then James Gardner came out at, at Jr. Gardner ninety one. He's got a role in the squad. Just got to find the way to utilize him. And I, I came back and said, I, I think he's a right winger. I do. He hasn't played there that much. Just a little bit on the tail end of last year. And to me, the bigger issue was, and you saw it with Gray. If Gray's going to be given time and space in the half space when he cuts inside, where's the box guard to his left? I mean, because that's a huge opportunity. Mikulenko, you know, blew a couple crosses today. wasn't getting forward as much. And to James's credit, his response to that was, I think him pairing up with Patterson is a perfect scenario. Patterson is real attack minded. And so when McNeil's cutting to the left today, Southampton make that very difficult to get into that half space and then get into kind of, you know, that zone 14 area that Pep's always talking about. And it's a lot easier to do that if you've got a wide member out there to your right to pull someone out to give you some space. He didn't have that today. Seamus wasn't necessarily there. I think he's doing fine. I, I'm curious your thoughts. I don't know what people were expecting him to come and light the world on fire, but it was a great goal. Well taken today.
1: Yeah, I think, I think there's, there's definitely a lot of, well, he's been getting a lot of criticism. There's no question about that. I think because he's been playing consistent Premier league minutes for so long, I think people are under the impression that he's like assigning for right now and he can definitely contribute right now. And he, if he profiles as a right wing, that's an area we really need him. The kid is still so young and he's, still so new to the right wing position and it's a new team, a new environment for him. I think he's definitely had some growing pains for me today. He was a little bit wasteful in the first half, but in the second half, I thought he improved a lot. I thought he was much better. Um, and, and you're going to see that kind of inconsistency with the player of his age, still finding his feet. So I I really, really want him to be successful. I was very frustrated with him in the first 45, as well as Gray, because we were so dominant. And we we're getting the ball in so many dangerous areas, and it felt like every time either one of them got the ball, our attack just kind of died. But it will get better. He will continue to develop. I think he's a really good prospect. The one-footedness, I think the, uh, the Tanner comments, a good one. It's like, okay, there's been so many guys who have been one-footed that are incredibly successful. It's not the end of the world if you're not perfectly ambidextrous with your feet it's really really not but it is an easy thing to critique because you'll see him try to try to force it onto his left which he's going to do and sometimes that's maybe not the best move it'd be ideal if he had a right foot that he could maybe swing across in or take a shot with but you saw the way he struck that ball today with no no business taking that shot with his left foot and just thrashed it in so He'll he'll get better. I I really don't have any doubts about
0: that. It's an orientation to me. It's okay. His right foot's not as bad as some people think it is. He receives fine with it. I mean, we'll see. It'll be inconsistent, like everyone else is off foot. Um, you know, he, he's. He is what he is. I mean, he's 22 years old. You know, he's going to turn 23 in November, and that's still very young for a guy that's had as many minutes as he's had. And he's got some versatility, too. And I like that about him. Um, let's talk about the officiating and Andre Mariner, who is the head of ref and Lee Mason was on VAR. Boy, um, Wanderer Dave has a good one here at Halifax. Dave. Did Mo did the moped get one call today? The new Richie. I thought that was interesting, right? And then um Crypties at Cryptis, our uh, longtime friend of the program, friend of the show. Worse every year is his comment. I, I thought I thought he was all over the place with his calls today. I, I didn't I, I mean how many times did we get shirts pulled and no call? And I, there were a couple times McNeil too lost the ball because I thought he was getting grabbed and held and just but when we do it, suddenly it's a foul. I thought it was a little one-sided at times. I
1: don't know. I honestly thought the first half was a little one-sided in our favor. Like so we would like hack a guy down, and then Southampton immediately would foul us, and we would get the call. <laughs> um, second half, I thought it was it was pretty poor from Mariner. I thought he let a lot go, but just so frustrating. I mean, there are a couple things I think probably should have gone to VAR. There was the double foul, and I think Awobia. Maybe it was Onana. I can't remember exactly who, but. A, a nasty double foul that I think he called the second one. Southampton got pretty fortunate. And and I was optimistic when he dished out the early yellow card. I was like, okay, he's going to hold these guys accountable. And then it kind of went away. And then you know, Ghana gets the yellow for a foul that wasn't really harsh at all. But I think that was more of an accumulation thing because he had, I think, three up to that point. So I wasn't as irate about the officiating today. But I, as always, there's just so much inconsistency day to day call to call minute to minute. Even you'll see like the same exact type of play. And one time it'll be called one time. It won't be. So just got to get more consistency. And I don't think we're ever really going to see that from certainly not this crop of referees or until there's some serious reforms put in place.
0: Seriously room for improvement at a minimum. Um, All
1: right, let's get into the summaries here as we've
0: been rambling on for a while. So Frank Lampard quote for him after the match. The character is there and the spirit is there. God, Let's I hated, go. hated reading that. I should have let you read it. Read it. <laughs> read it. Read it. Uh, the next thing we have to do is be consistent and sustain it. That's an optimistic message, but I just don't know if we quite have the personnel to to do that. Um, not diminishing the, the win, you know. I, I think the the goals have to be realistic this year. That's just kind of my take on it. Um, the problem is when I say stuff like that. You know what happens, and that's, I think, why you dropped in the next quote.
1: Yeah, I put in a uh, Day 89 had a good comment that I picked out of a, dial, a larger dialogue where he said he was just made up with the win slash unbeaten run, but apparently you can't be happy with a win and share concerns at the same time because people's heads can't handle more than one thought at a time on here, on here being Twitter, <laughs> apparently, which is a little harsh, but it's true. And, you know, you'll... <clears throat> And listening to a lot of the media coverage and whatnot, it's so, it's the, the, the the polarity is crazy because we win and everything's great they hundred percent, but we win and we're amazing. We lose, we're horrible. And there's no in between when realistically we've been okay. And we've, as Frank said, or implied there's inconsistency. We'll be good for spells of 15, 20, 30, even an entire half. And then we'll be absolutely horrible for 40 minutes. So that's what separates the great teams. It's the teams that can be more consistent. And I agree with you, Ryan. There's still some improvement in the squad. Some great improvements and great strides in terms of the midfield. Jordan Pickford's playing very well lately. That's very positive. And we still have a lot of guys hurt. So I think at full strength, we'll even have some more dynamic options off the bench at the very least. And I think the starting lineup, there's still Dominic Havard-Lewin can ever get fit, which I think people are getting less hopeful for by the day because he continues to pick up like minor knocks. But decore in the midfield as well. I don't know who you drop for DeCore right now because I think all three are playing really well, but adds another option, another problem for Frank to have to think about. And look, that's kind of been our MO for on this show for some time is we're really happy and maybe it doesn't come off that way. I'm thrilled we won, but I'm not going to say we were brilliant and we're going to finish top six and we're the best team in the league because we're not. And then the numbers bear that out. And I think if you're honest with yourself as a fan, you have to accept that there's going to be growing pains in this transition. And I think people are by and large, at least the listeners to the show are. Going to be happy with a mid-table finish comfortably and, and building blocks, and we see those improvements, which is what we've said all along.
0: I agree, and we
1: we're just trying to be objective here. I mean, who
0: the heck wants to hear us hoot and holler at the TV screen? Which we do. I mean, are you kidding me? You don't think I was screaming at the top of my lungs and and when we went <laughs> there's up a reason to we don't run?
1: live do the live.
0: Oh, God. watch! I will never. That, why do people do that? It's just so. Oh, I would be. I cause I get mad at the dumbest things too. Um, yeah, it's funny too and I'm doing scouting stuff too. I, I'd still do the same thing. Like if someone hits a banger, I I go crazy. And I'm like, why did you just jump up and down at a banger that someone just hit in the Universidad de Chile match, which I did the other day. Um <laughs> so love of the game. It's an unbelievable shot, though. I mean, you gotta see this Kid Asoria from from them. He's pretty he's got a really good left foot. Anyway, um, let's move on. Let's go to Tricky Trev at tricky trev 20 i feel like we picked everyone's twitter handles that is like the same as their i don't know why um we were the better side but we still lack that clinical edge need to score goals when we are on top today was an opportunity to improve our goal difference but in the end we were desperately holding on i think there's some truth to that in the first half we were the better side you know look I, i actually think we were the better side uh it's hard to miss you know after that first half you're just thinking man we were a lot better than them i think in the in the first half. And I think you can point a little bit to the dramatic differences in performance. And we went through the numbers kind of after the goal scoring, uh, I think. Um, Yeah, but look, I, I, we're sloppy at times today. And sometimes you get that coming out of an international break.
1: Absolutely. And Sledvig says it very well here, get rid of some of those sloppy mistakes and finish a couple of chances. And we could be onto something, take the momentum and let's get a win at home against a reeling United. Again, I don't, I don't think you can discount the value of the away points in fighting back away from home to get a result. That's huge. And something that's been absent from this team for a really long time. That's that, that in itself is massive. Even if the numbers and the minute by minute performances, you know, you take zoom out and take the big picture. It's a great result.
0: That's like deserve to win is hard. You know, if you play a tight match on the road, you may win, you may lose whatever, but it was a tough match and it was a tight match. And you put yourself in good position to take the points and a couple of moments of quality made it happen. And so, That matters, you know, and we have some quality and you saw some of it today. Uh, PDX Toffee at PDX Toffee. Again, God, what the heck? We've got to figure out a way to do this on the pod so it's not so redundant. Not at our best besides the 10 minutes right after conceding, but absolutely fantastic to gut out a road win. Pickford with some key saves and McNeil was good value in his first Premier League start for me, for us. Is that his first start? I got to go back and check that. Side note, Bella Cauchamp spends an impressive amount of time on the ground for a center back. Yeah, he really does. You wouldn't think he was quite as big as he was. What is up with that flopping, huh? It's kind of weird. It is a good, young, talented player, too. Southampton have a ton of talented young players, and assuming they safely stay in the league, you got to watch out for them in the future, but that's kind of, that's that's their model. They're they're a pretty well-run club, you know, and they had a lot yeah. of losses um, in the offseason, and you see the talent, you see the depth, at least, to talent, and um be interesting to see how they fare, but, yeah, I mean, look, I mean, getting, you know, you, you make it close at all, you just need a couple moments of quality, man. I mean, you don't need to win every match five to one
1: yeah a hundred percent I mean the flop again I'll, I'll say this every time the flopping comes up unless the referee, like unless it's not it's incentivized right now unless they change those incentives right. you're gonna see the same outcomes yeah spot so, on it's very simple spot on. um yeah the last, last one. comment yeah, yeah go I, ahead Ryan. you can yeah so
0: this yeah Michael at uh real Michael c I don't know how I feel about this one but I thought it was an interesting one that had a lot into it so I included it we're a proven goal scorer away from going places. The defense is solid. Midfield is vastly improved. And the mentality Frank has enlisted in this team is brilliant. We may not beat you with style, but we will outwork anyone. Hmm. Uh, lot to unpack there. Proven goal score away from going places. I didn't see much in the center forward position here that I thought really cost us. But, but when a team's going to pack it in a little bit of times, the way Southampton did once you broke them, uh, DCL is a better player in the current center forward we have. But I think maybe he really means that Having a proven goal score that can cut inside in some of those spots that McNeil and Gray were in and can bang one in is probably what what he means um i think the wide play we're getting right now is probably not even premier League average at this point having someone really talented in that spot could transform this team i agree i think we're a little farther away from going places the defense is solid i mean i don't i think people this one's hard because i think people see you know the two two english guys and they're tough and sturdy and all that stuff and i get it and i i think there's some good chemistry between them but you saw in the goal i mean how I just I don't know if you can ever really truly fully implement what Frank wants to do with those guys in the side, yeah. Um, but we are where we are right now, and and it's hard to argue that they aren't good value at least for what we paid for them. But yeah, the midfield is vastly improved, and I think that's that makes all the difference in the world. It makes everyone around them, and that's where you want all your talent if you can do it.
1: Agreed. Yeah, uh, it's interesting. You know. What what is a proven goal scorer? Because the the cliche line is, "Oh, we just need someone who scores twenty goals." Can he? The or... proven goal score definition is clear. We all know what that is. It's can he do
0: it on a cold night in Stoke? Okay, that's you know the litmus that's fest. a proven goal score in the Premier it... League on a cold night in Stoke, even though they haven't been in the Premier League.
1: Like, is, is 10 goals a season a proven goal scorer? Because Neil Mepi is flirting with that every season. You know, whatever. We we is, digress. Well,
0: no, to digress
1: is but to say, go look at his championship numbers. And you that's tell what me I just mean, a though. Goal scorer. It's like, is he not a proven goal scorer? The dudes put up numbers in almost every season. And Dominic Calvert-Lewin fit adds another weapon to our arsenal. To his point, and as you say, the wide player, the better wide player, better finishing from the wide areas, that will help us out a ton. But It'd be interesting. Again, it would be interesting. I can't argue with that. I mean, if you brought in like a like someone who's really an impact player
0: at one of those positions. And I don't know if that's going to happen in January, but you never know. It'd be interesting for sure. And the nice part is we didn't use up all our loans too. So, um,
1: but Hey, you know, no matter what massive three points today, and I couldn't be more thrilled about it. hundred percent with you, Ryan. And I think that is a good note to end on. We are very joyous here at the ATP and we will leave it at that. Thank you everyone very much for tuning in. We appreciate you all. If you enjoyed the show and you enjoy what we do, please leave us a rating or review or both on your podcast platform of choice. Uh, if you want to join our discord invite.gg slash ATP, come join our community, chat with us and all your fellow Evertonians and follow us on social media at USA toffee pod, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram to stay up to date with episode releases and whatnot. Otherwise, that does it for us today. Thanks again for tuning in. Until next time, up the toffees.